welcome to another episode of Lines Led by Donkeys. Uh, I'm Joe, and that terrible introduction was not by my co-host, <laughs> yeah, Nick. Not me. And today is uh, the first of many uh, of another giant series. This one, The Winter War. See, when you text me this, you said it would be three at most. You know how that happens. I, uh, I think I said the Soviet-Afghan war was going to be three or four. Yeah. That was seven. <laughs> yeah. I'm not good at that part of the job. I really honestly thought that was going to be eight, just to even it out. It could have been. Yeah. It could have been ten. <laughs> I left a lot it of- It could still be going. Like, uh, every week, it seems, uh, I get an email or a DM or something, or even a Patreon message like, oh, you left this out of the Soviet Afghan. We're like, yes, I know. <laughs> Trust me, we would still be recording episodes <laughs> about it. Uh, but we get to talk about the Soviet Union again. We really shit on the Soviet Union. God. Low-hanging fruit. Just, yeah. Low-hanging fruit. Uh, to be fair, until the Soviet-Afghan War series, our biggest series was on the Iran-Iraq War. That's true. Which I still think is actually my favorite. It's just, one of mine. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be talking about the Winter War, the stuff of literal legends. Um, now, before we get started... I have to acknowledge our main source for the series, and this is the main source I will use throughout every episode, however many that is, unless I denote otherwise, and that is a book called Frozen Hell by William Trotter. Honestly, when you sent me the cover of it, when it said Frozen Hell, I was thinking, oh, cool, Chosen. I'm reading about Chosen right now. We could both talk about it. Oh, we're going to cover Chosen eventually for sure, uh, which is just a different... There's a lot of frozen hells in military history. Yeah, but then I read further and it said Winter War, and I was like, cool, I've only heard stories of that, so this is That is a lot of people. Most people have really only heard of one or two things, um, whether it be the Finns fucking ambushing Soviets on skis or or the White Death, Simeo Haiha, which we'll definitely be talking about. Yeah. but like I said, it's like literally a, a, a war. Of, it's like this shit of legends. And I feel like, yeah, you only hear stories of this because it's definitely what I've only heard stories of. This is a war where the stuff that actually happened is so incredibly unlikely and extraordinary. It, it makes sense why a lot of it literally became legend. Um, is it like a fucking comic book? It could be. Mm. I mean. They, Ooh, a graphic novel? A, a comic book is a graphic novel. I like graphic novels. Um, it's not. So when we when you last joined us for when we talked about the Soviet Union, we were actually talking about how they sold their navy to Pepsi. Yes, but we we're not talking about that one either. Um, most of us know the Soviet Union as this juggernaut that absorbed the Nazi Blitzkrieg harder than anybody else and stomped their way across Eastern Europe in a people's zerg rush all the way to Berlin. Or if you're a longtime listener of the show, you might know them from when they drank themselves to death on the mountains of Afghanistan and boot polish or jet fuel. Those aren't the Soviet unions we're going to be talking about during this series. It's completely different. Yeah, they don't have MiGs. No, they barely have much of anything. Yeah. Um, instead, the Soviet Union we're going to be talking about is a weak, backwards one, uh, desperately attempting to reclaim this shattered empire that had fallen apart with the downfall of the Tsar. Um, it is also the story of what is, the, what is probably the most notorious David versus Goliath struggle in history of arm in the history of armed conflict. And, um, when the least uh, talked about side stories of world war two, cause that's, you can't talk about world war two unless you talk about the winter war, but a lot of people seem to find a way to do it. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like a lot of people like to talk about, 
um, how much the, so- the Soviet Union, um, uh, how much of an impact the Soviet Union had on the Second World War, which is definitely true, without talking about like the how they almost joined the Axis. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. We, we I mean, talk about that. there's a lot of stuff we like to leave out of the Eastern Front, and we like to just think of the Soviet Union as human wave attacking them all the way to victory, which also isn't true. Um, but they did suffer the most casualties of anybody else. A and, shit ton. And you can kind of see why when we talk about the winter, the winter War. You can go back to Pavlov's house and see how fucking insane they are. I mean, when you when one of the most plentiful resources you have is people, why not? I mean, and, and there's legitimately um, an argument to me. They were fighting for their survival. They were fighting against people who thought they were subhuman and did not deserve to live. That is the Nazis, not the Finns. Uh, yeah. The Finns were never going to take over the Soviet Union. They were going to take over yeah, anything. They are going to take over Moscow and the greater Finnish Republic is just going to span from horizon to horizon. Um, so before Finland ever had the gall to become an independent state, they were actually part of the Kingdom of Sweden. Um, this is because of the Northern Crusade all the way back in 1171, when the Catholic Church... Oh, that's far. Yeah. Uh, we, ha- we have some ground to oh, cover here. God. Uh, and we rarely talk about the Crusades other than the People's Crusade. That's true. <laughs> um, now, the Catholic de- Church decided to invade Northern Europe to chase out those goddamn... The best church! Uh, no, it's not. No. I was in it. <laughs> It wasn't you know, good. It's it's funny that all three um, hosts of this show, counting Rich, have all accidentally fallen into the Catholic Church at various parts of their life. Mine was early on. Both of yours. You guys were both raised in it. My mom remarried a Catholic guy, mm. and we went to uh, service once, and my mom was like, nope. So the, the church decided to invade Northern Europe to chase out those goddamn pagans uh, and just show everybody how merciful Jesus Christ was through mass slaughter. Afterwards, thousands of Swedes moved into what would become Finland in order to colonize it and spread the good word of God. Eventually, spread the good word of God with your sword. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't you see how merciful Jesus is, you bitch? Please stop killing my family. Ooh, almost came up with another. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. <laughs> God damn it, Nick. Uh, I feel like I'm almost allowed to. <laughs> if, for so long. if anybody is allowed to, it's Catholics. Hey, I'm not Catholic anymore. Never mind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we all fall into the atheism side of things <laughs> yeah. here, on the, here on the Lions Love by Donkeys podcast. I'm unsure about Laika. I believe she worships some dog god. Satan. Yeah, definitely Satan. <laughs> Every time she howls, she howls for Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this kind of colonization, wouldn't you, wouldn't you have guessed, kind of made Finns, uh, who already live there, <laughs> second-class <laughs> citizens in their own land as the Swedish king attempted to force them to be not so goddamn Finnish. They were considered to be backwards and primitive, and uh, because... What's so different about the Finns and the Swedes? Um, colonialism. It makes even people that look identical like, racist. It almost seems like there's no difference. Imperialism is a magical way to make sure somebody is racist against somebody else. It does not Our matter. Our chocolate's better! <laughs> <laughs> our, our shade of white is better than your shade of white. Now, this kind of shit went on for hundreds of years, and we're not going to cover all of it. But at one point, there was an uprising called the Cudgel War, uh, which is kind of cool because it was just named that way because Finnish peasants armed themselves with clubs and beat people to death. Oh, God. Like <laughs> Kings of New York style. <laughs> you know, I, I root for any war when it involves Finnish peasants beating nobility to death with sticks. Is Liam Neeson in this? I don't think so. No. Uh, he's, he only shows up to fist fight wolves. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie was shit. 
Finnish, or sorry, Swedish domination of Finland continued all the way until the age of Napoleon and the Treaty of Tilsit. Russians promised the French that they would help their French, the French emperor force other European powers to kneel before the continental system, which we have covered before. Um, in order to do that, the Russian Empire invaded and took over what they called the Grand Duchy of Finland in 1809. The Grand Duke, in case you're wondering from the name what that was, was just the Russian Tsar. Mm. Effectively just making it part of Russia and giving it a fancy name. The Grand Duke. Yep. <laughs> that's what I call a good uh, toilet <laughs> session. <laughs> Oof, that's a Grand Duke. Yep. Under the Russian Empire, the Finnish state was allowed to expand its own autonomy, uh, which is good because the Russian Empire was kind of terrible at running itself. Though eventually, roastification policies were introduced in 1889. You say roastification. <laughs> Roast everybody was fucking <laughs> roasted. Everybody each other. was roasted. Your mama has one big titty and one little titty. We call the bitch Biggie Smalls. Ooh, he's royalty now. <laughs> uh, now, uh, the roastification. They're attempting to make it more Russian. Mm, gotcha. Uh, it was introduced in 1889 to try to uh, force them to assimilate into the Russian-dominated Russian Empire. Um. Uh, that, that sounds kind of dumb when I say the Russian-dominated version. It's like the Soviet Union. The Russian, the Russian Empire is made up of countless different ethnicities, but the most dominant one was Russian, so they wanted to make everybody Russian. Right. Um, the bill that triggered this was voted in in the uh, Finnish Senate. The deciding vote was cast by a guy put there by the Tsar to do this exact thing, the Governor General Nikolai Bobrikov, um, because Russia has never quite understood what democracy is. The Russification of Finland was so petty that it even forced them to use Russian stamps on their postage. Ooh. <laughs> like, nice. Of all the things you could rank, <laughs> like this, the czar sitting there, like, hmm, those Finnish are awfully uppity. It must be the stamps. Now, Babrikov was granted close to what be considered dictatorial powers throughout 1905 <laughs> Russian Revolution. Get it out. Say it. Nice. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <like> dick powers. <laughs> oh, boy. Family show we got This here. is already starting pretty good. <laughs> I like this. Now, in 1905, for people unaware, the Russians had a revolution, not the one that you're thinking of that got rid of the czar, but a Russian revolution. Um, so in order to enact, uh, the Babrikov enacted a lot of these reforms in order to try to keep a lid on anything that could pop off in Finland. It turned out that Babrikov had something of a magical power. You see, he was such an asshole that he managed to do something that nobody else had ever done before. That is, unite the Finns and the Finnish Swedes who had settled within Finland together in their mutual hatred for Russia. Unite! Like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. But there's no greater unifying power throughout history than fuck that guy. Yeah, for sure. Whatever that guy happens to be at that particular time. There's that guy is everywhere. That I've guy, learned that. That guy pops up about one every ten years. <laughs> I say that to my soldiers whenever they're like, they told me to do this. And I was like, who's they? They is everywhere I go. They're at every duty station I'm at. Who is they? But I don't know what they are, but fuck them. Exactly. So um, the czarist official was so bad at his job, like most of the Russian government at the time, that his rule uh, led to an upswell of militant leftist politics amongst the Finnish working class. So much so that a member of one of those groups, the Party of Active Resistance, a guy named Eugene Shulman shot Bobrikov's bitch ass dead in the street. What? Yeah. How? With a gun. Yeah, but how did he... <laughs> how does he... Okay, hold on. What was the group name again? The Party of Active Resistance. How the fuck do you get that close to somebody with that group name? That's a secretive group. I mean, you, at, I at the like time... I feel like it wasn't that secretive. There's, there's a lot of... There's um, no way. Uh, Marxist, leftist, socialist movements at the time. That's partially why the Russian Revolution of 1905 happened. 
Um, so like, but they have to keep it underground because the czar is a killing group, a lot of them. If down. you have a group name like that, it's not secretive. You have to because it's not cool enough. What what what's your gut? Uh, the Party of Act Resistance is okay. At least it, it, I it feel like you, they should have gone with a cooler name. It tells everybody exactly what you're about. <laughs> it, it gets straight to the point. Nobody yeah. nobody looks at the Party of Act of Resistance like, hmm, I wonder what they do. Mm, party of we're young actually young tarts and old farts. That one doesn't fit. What do you guys do? Uh, as you're just surrounded by guns and swords. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we knit. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of fucking guys like fucking. <laughs> <laughs> So it turns out killing the shitty guy or shitty emperor put in charge of you does not, in fact, make things better. The entire Finnish Senate was replaced by a Russian-trained military officer group. Ooh-wee. And eventually, uh, anything considered uh, like the concept of Finnish self-rule was destroyed. And that was until World War I. Mm. As the Tsar and his Edbred cousins set the world on fire with their stupid <laughs> turf war, the Russian Empire collapsed in a whirlwind of the Russian Revolution. Uh, following the Bolshevik declaration of the general right of self-determination, Finland declared independence in December of 1917. I feel like we should bring this up. I really want to talk about Tannenberg on this show. Oh, Tannenberg's uh, definitely going to come up. It has to. It is uh, one of the biggest defeats in the dumbest way possible in history. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, it it just goes to show how bad the Tsarist army was, but yeah. For now, sure. Um. In, uh, so they declared independence in 1917. Now, uh, when I talk about self-determination, obviously I mean uh, the people's right to decide their own destiny. And that was something that Lenin himself, who ended up becoming in charge of Red Russia um, and the head of the Bolshevik movement, talked about. Like He said like the working class people should be able to determine what they do. You know, self-determination. Well, it turns out he didn't actually mean it all that much because he got fucking pissed when Finland declared independence. He's, really? like, he's like, oh, wait, we... We can be independent, and then Lenin's like, "Fuck no, not like that." <laughs> um, so the but the at, at the time, thankfully for Finland, the Bolsheviks had a lot of other problems going on. Um, there was a Russian civil war going on, the Reds against the Whites, and they did not have control of everything. Why does everybody care what Finland does? It, it reasons like it. It's really dumb because Their uncreative flag has nothing to do with it. <laughs> You know, like Finland is strategic for the most part. Like everybody, is it? Oh yeah. Uh, now the Russian Empire it's super snowy there. <laughs> well, sure, but most of Russia is. I mean, the, the, the Russian Empire and also the Soviet Union both realized that foreign powers could use it as a launching pad. Oh, okay. Think of it that as like sense. a Schlieffen plan for Russia. Like we, if we invade through Finland, Schlieffen plan. Yeah, the Schlieffen. You've never heard of the Schlieffen plan. No. The, the that whole sounds plan like it's that, off of Rick and Morty. The whole plan that, and that the, the German Empire used for World War One and also World War Two. Never heard of a Schlieffen plan. I'm sorry. You're 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 bringing our podcast credibility down a lot, right? Now. I didn't know that <laughs> one plan would do it. I mean, it didn't work. So but that's it, why. So the the Schlieffen plan was uh, the the German Empire's plan to invade through neutral countries to invade France. Okay, there we go. Now I know what that is. So I definitely. Yeah, so okay. think of that as um, the Finland could be the eastern version of that, because uh, right on the other side of the Finnish border and into Russia is what would become known as Leningrad. Mm. So it's a pretty it's a pretty important industrial hub. They knew that they wanted to hold on to it for that. And there's, you know, whatever other natural resources they have there. But I think of a lot of it like more. Snow. Of, <laughs> there are strategic snow resources. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think a lot of it has to do with like 
they thought of them as part of the Russian Empire, therefore part of mm. Russia. They they were so dumb they didn't realize like they're fucking Finnish. They're not Russian, <laughs> yeah. and they've always wanted to be independent. Um, but like I said, the Bolsheviks had a whole bunch of other problems to deal with at the time. So like Finland breaking away was like very bottom of the list. Mm. They they were they still had a war going on. Uh, with with fucking, they were still trapped in World War One. They had a civil war going on. Now they were trying to figure out how to put a government together. Um, leftists being as leftists do, they were fighting one another all the time. So like, they had problems. Finland didn't rate, <laughs> so Finland broke away. But the seeds of future conflict would be planted almost immediately afterwards, uh, because the new fin- Finnish nation collapsed into civil war only one month after independence. Uh, much like the rest of Russia at the time, Finland became torn between the communist Reds. And the kind of everybody else whites. Um, the, the white faction included liberals, conservatives, monarchists, nas- nationalists, and even, even non-communist leftists. Everybody. Pretty much everybody except Bolsheviks. Yeah. Um, things get kind of hazy in the middle there. Um, it, it even, like, it's weird because um, it even involved, like, other factions of communism that just wasn't down with their faction of communism. It's a really weird alliance. Weren't Bolsheviks going for bloodline too? Like they were fucking everybody up. Uh, well, they just well, the, I mean, the Bolsheviks are the part of the, uh, the Russian Civil War were attempting to create the you know the United Socialist Soviet Republics. Yeah. Um, which well, that's what they turned into. And then there was factions within them, um, like there's the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks, and it, there, there's a, there's layers, whole bunch of Vicks. I mean, that's kind of what happens in any civil war. There's no and no civil war is is cut and dry i think the the, the most cut and dry one was ours yeah. <laughs> two sides <laughs> yeah wait no the was there a drunk history where they're talking about the east versus the west i think that was a a, a family guy episode where they just showed up wearing plaid <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean they were they're mostly allied the whites were mostly allied under the idea that if the communists win they would simply give finland back to russia which yeah they they were that was the plan um now, the Finnish Red Guards were heavily funded, equipped, and trained, and in many cases, led by Russian Soviet veterans. Uh, this, there also happened to be about 40,000 soldiers of the Russian army stationed in Finland. Though, at this point, the Russian army is kind of just falling apart. Because um, these guys had definitely been conscripted under the Tsarist army. Yeah. And were still just kind of hanging around as Russia fell apart. So a Just lo- waiting for the word? Yeah. And a lot of them were deserting. Um now, the Red Guard also had other foreign backers. Strangely enough, in one case, they were trained and led by the British Royal Navy uh, in the case of what is known as the Murmansk Legion, hilariously earning themselves the name of the Royal Reds, which is the weirdest, like, monarchist communists? <laughs> That's something that exists now? I'm still surprised. That, what the fuck? It, it, it's a weird footnote in history. Now, the Finnish White Guard forces were led by someone who'd become a legendary... Finnish military hero and Carl Gustav von Mannerheim. Um, they also benefited from foreign backers. Now, Mannerheim had actually been a officer in the Tsarist Russian army um, because all of the satellite kingdoms and duchies and everything else of the, of the Russian empire would serve within the Russian imperial army. They also had a lot of uh, foreign backers, though in their case is the German imperial forces. Um, they also funded, trained, and in many cases helped them Side by side, mm. which spoiler alert about World War One: things don't end well for the Empire of Germany. No. Um, now, in neither side uh, was an organization prepared for combat when they were all just thrown together on the fly. It quickly became apparent that the white side was better off. 
since 1915, thousands of Finns, um, known as the Jaeger Corps, would go on to join the the German Imperial Army. Um, and, and create they, the Jaeger bomb. <laughs> they got uh, some of the best training you could possibly receive at the time because the German Imperial Army, despite you know largely being blamed for World War One, was one of the best trained militaries in the war. So the Jaeger Corps guys got some of the best training available on Earth. They then went back to Finland, and because they were trained by the Imperial Germans, ninety nine percent of them end up joining the the white side of the Civil War. Oh, okay, yeah. So that was a pretty solid backbone to base yeah. that off of. Meanwhile, the Finnish Reds seemed just as interested in fighting amongst themselves as they did to fight the Whites. <laughs> uh, they never really could get their shit together. It sounds like a bar brawl. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, ideological fighting going on there, like people fighting over leadership. Also, one of the key things that came up was they never could get administration over the areas that they managed. So in a war like this, manpower obviously becomes very, very important. And the white side managed to administer their areas decently well and implement conscription so they could get more bodies to the front rapid the reds never could do that and while i'm kind of ideologically on the side of the reds here uh they kind of fucked this up um they never did get their shit together and the civil war only lasted four months wow (laughs) yeah uh now there was I, i need to point out there's horrible war crimes on both sides um and we will go into that and a little bit further later on because it there is very much a fracture in Finnish society after the Civil War, like most Civil Wars, I would imagine. The problem was, is while the Finns had successfully thrown off the Russian yoke, they had simply fallen into a German one, with Imperial Germany wanting to put their own puppet emperor on the throne. They even had a guy in Finland waiting to take up the job, a Prince Friedrich Karl, who was not Finnish. I thought the CIA almost jumped in here. Oh, I mean, it's kind of funny. It, it, I see uh, a lot of color in this as I did like the second Mexican empire when they're like, you Austrian guy, you're in charge of Mexico now. (laughs) Um, Now that plan went out of the window when Germany got their asses kicked at the end of World War I, leaving Finland to finally go their own way. Though the scars of that civil war ran pretty deep, Finland may have been free, but it was not united. The war killed around 40,000 people and alienated the entire labor movement. Labor unions even got outlawed. Um, like they said, like the companies do not have to negotiate with labor unions and stuff. Kind of like, you know, the wet dream of America currently today. Ten thousand, like tens of thousands of red soldiers died in camps due to a com- combination of diseases like the Spanish flu, which killed millions across the world at that Ooh. time and food shortages, which caused starvation. Um, also there was just straight up mass executions. Um, a lot of the camps, I mean, they're, they're concentration camps. Uh, they were effectively turned into death camps. The communist veterans who survived the war largely blamed the white guards who they nicknamed the butcher guards for their plight. This, this is a point of contention. Wasn't exactly healed when the white guards stuck around after the war, continuing alongside the new Finnish defense forces as a kind of volunteer militia. So it was kind of like, if the, if these guys killed you, and like a lot of this is region based, like they called them red villages. Uh, a lot of the, the the more rural villages joined the communists, and so a lot of the the violence was very very regional. So like you, there's a good chance if you fought in the civil war on on this on the left side, your all your cousins probably did too, and they all probably died. Yeah, and now like the white guards still around walking around the border guard, which now patrols your village. Oh, so it's like there's. There's factions here. Like, I wouldn't feel really good about that. 
The Soviet Union, realizing that they had bigger problems, eventually normalized their relationship with the Finns throughout the years after the Civil War. They signed the Treaty of Tartu, which uh, finalized the borders between the two countries, though that did not mean the two nations did not constantly fuck with one another. Finnish soldiers crossed the border into the Soviet Union to help fight and uh, or spark and fight the East Karelian uprising in 1921. And the Soviets returned the favor when communist guerrillas crossed into Finland in the so-called pork mutiny of 1922. Pork mutiny. Yeah. Uh, now it had, cause it happened at a, at a, at a, a pork, pork plant. plant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now <laughs> this was in reality, more of a strong armed robbery. Uh, because it, what it really was is just a bunch of Red Guard veterans robbed a logging yard's cash box at gunpoint and ran back across the border before the White Guards could show up. So they just kind of robbed a guy. So where's the pork? It just happened adjacent to a pork farm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, thought it was in relation to 5150. Now, this brings us to the Soviet Union. And this isn't just Lenin's Soviet Union. Lenin's dead. This is now Joseph Stalin's Soviet uh, Union. Stalin's. Now, Stalin hated the idea of a free Baltic region. Stalin hated everything. Stalin hated most things. Yeah, yeah that's not a man who enjoyed anything. Like He hated his mustache. From what no, I, heard. I think that was his only friend. Ooh, he, he's a man, that was close to him. He's a man who frowned while having sex. Ooh, now, don't picture Stalin having sex. He probably like kept his full off. uniform on. Yeah, lights off. Yeah, Lights off, hole through the sheet. And then afterwards, you got purged. <laughs> you died. <laughs> yeah. He's like a female prey mantis. His mustache bit <laughs> yeah. your head off after he had sex. His uh, mustache pulled out a fucking gun. <laughs> uh, <coughs> now, Stalin believed that this whole area was, was Russia's because it had been part of the Russian Empire. Um, he also thought it was a sign of Lenin's weakness uh, that he allowed to, the empire to slip away. Uh, Stalin was a renowned asshole and murderer who also was profoundly paranoid about what was going on in the USSR. So as Finland attempted to build their state, they did things uh, that developing nations tend to do. Lean towards a world power sphere of influence. And since they had one hell of a history with Russia being oppressed and all, they went looking elsewhere. Mm. Finland sold off mining rights to the British and were involved in the German iron ore trade. Stalin saw this as two world powers that had moved into his backyard. Uh, there was also the small detail of East Karelia, which the Finns did help in flame, which is populated by Finnish people, but controlled by the Soviet Union. Finnish politicians constantly rallied about t- taking it back, but nobody in their right mind ever thought Finland would launch war against their neighbor, who was 10 times their size. It was nothing but talk. That is, if you were in your right mind. <laughs> yeah. Stalin was not in his right mind. No. He's an asshole all the time. Uh, despite Finland constantly talking about their neutrality in the event of any war, Stalin simply thought they were biding their time. Finland went so far as to prove their point neutrality as they launched a PR campaign promoting pan-Scandinavian neutrality. Of course, Stalin saw this as Finland attempting to secure a pan-Scandinavian anti-Soviet alliance because that's what Stalin sees. Stalin is Zap Brannigan from Futurama. <laughs> I fucking love Zap. Constantly He's muttering so about those funny. goddamn neutrals. <laughs> I fucking love Zap. Also, uh, he, he controlled his military like the murder bots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed that no, no matter what Finland did, it would immediately be misinterpreted by Stalin and the Soviet intelligence apparatus. For instance, when fascist movements sprung up in Finland, as they did across most countries in Europe in the 1930s, Stalin assumed they would be taking over when in reality they were just a flash in the pan. 
um, like they burned out pretty goddamn fast because most people had wanted nothing to do with them. Well, when those groups began circulating a map of something called Greater Finland, a hypothetical country that includes several parts of the Soviet Union, Stalin thought it was official government policy, which is just so levels of diluted I can't quite grasp it. There's one constant in the Soviet side of things is that all of the information that got to Stalin seemed to be the exact kind of thing that Stalin wanted to hear. He hated a free Finland. Therefore, he's looking for reason as to why a free Finland was a threat. Well, the Soviet government was packed full of Stalin yesmen due to something that is now called the Great Purge. And if that name is anything to go by, things are about to get fucking bleak. The Purge began as a way for Stalin to consolidate power uh, after he seceded Lenin. Now, it was supposed to be a guy named Leon Trotsky uh, who had to run for his life to Mexico and yeah, then was did. killed by ice axe. But um, Stalin wasn't supposed to be in charge, and Trotsky had a fair amount of loyalists within the military as he controlled the Revolutionary Army. Um, So when Stalin took over, his attempts at consolidating power quickly spiraled out of control in an insane orgy of political violence that killed around a million people. It's a lot. Stalin unleashed the NKVD, uh, or the secret police, which would become the KGB, on the military and various other functionaries of the Soviet government and onto its own people. You can't have too many letters in an acronym. He really likes his acronyms. He changes the, the NKVD's name changes so many fucking times, like at least five times. MKVD. That's just too many. Yeah. And it's, it's like the back of your router. It's got <laughs> all those fucking like numbers. Yeah. No, the Soviets like him. Some, uh, some, uh, some abbreviated, government agencies. Um, now, the purge began by taking out old allies of Lenin or Trotsky. This included most of the fathers of the Russian Revolution who were still alive, many of them had already died at that point. They targeted old czarists who were still around and even the Russian church, arresting and executing or imprisoning around 85% of its clergy, starting with people who could be considered right-wing or centrist and quickly moving on and killing people who are not exactly the kind of communists that Stalin liked. Soon the arms of the government were turning against each other, and saying anything even remotely counter to Stalin's wishes would get you killed. People used this as a way to end old feuds, denouncing people that they had personal problems with in order to get them taken out by the NKVD. People were taken away by the NKVD and tortured until they named other people who were part of whatever imaginary scheme they had been accused of taking part of, kind of creating a cycle, an endless cycle of violence. Yeah. Like the, we've invented something. It's perpetual energy, but only for executions. <laughs> Political executions became such a normal part of Soviet life that the executions and arrests had quotas. What? Yeah, they had government. Like you didn't take out enough anti-Stalinists. And then the purge rolled into the Red Army. The purge of the Red Army began right at the top, executing three of the five marshals of the Soviet Union, then killed eight of the nine admirals of the Navy. 50 of the 57 Corps commanders, 154 of 184 division commanders, and Jesus li- Christ. literally all of the currently employed army political officers or commissars. Every single one. In the end, at least 7%, but up to 30% of the entire officer corps of the Red Army was destroyed or sent away to caps. And then all of those commissars were replaced with Stalin loyalists. So it really isn't much of a shock that whenever an intelligence agent briefed Stalin on Finland, he was like, yep, those sure are some fascists and they're going to invade <laughs> Russia. Please don't kill me. I love my family. <laughs> in 1938, a low-level diplomat in the Soviet embassy in Helsinki, a Boris Yartsev, 
uh, approached the Finnish prime minister and said it would be in his best interest to begin negotiations with the Soviet Union. The reason for this, according to Yartsev, was the worsening of the international situation. The rise of Nazi Germany could not be ignored. And Stalin was worried that the Nazis and the Finns would join forces and the Nazis could use Finland as a springboard for an invasion into Soviet Russia. Yartsev said that if a war began between Germany and the USSR, they would be forced to, quote, go ahead and meet the enemy, which was an obvious veiled threat to invade Finland. Russia wanted a positive guarantee that this would never happen. When the prime minister asked what that would consist of, what a positive guarantee was, Yartsev said he could not actually say, as that was above his pay grade. The Finnish government impressed upon Yartsev they would resist any armed invasion of Finland, Nazi, Soviet, or otherwise. This is obviously, uh, this is, it's, it's pretty obvious what that statement meant. Like, we're, we're neutral. We're just here to protect Finland. Please yeah. leave us alone. Yartsev pointed that out, that Stalin would not be scared due to Finland's military weakness, and that was not that big of a bluff. But if the Finns would back up their statement with a gesture of goodwill, say, leasing the USSR some islands off in the Gulf of Finland, that might work. He's trying to, he's like really bad at getting a bribe is what it is. Yeah. This is laughed off as the USSR doesn't lease anything. It takes it over. And the prime minister knew that. He's like, I'm not giving you anything. We're right next door. We've been watching what's been happening. The Soviets did not come back till 1939 when they again asked for the islands in exchange for, and for a slice of Eastern Karelia. Gustav Mannerheim, knowing the weakness of Finland's army, said, yeah, we should probably take this deal. The islands were barren nothingness. There's literally nothing to them. And he knew that if they kept poking the Soviets with their refusal to give them stuff, they might do something crazy. You haven't given us our Tupperware back. Like, this is like you're cornered by an attack dog. Like, we have to give him something or we're going to have to fight this motherfucker and out like our chances. Hey, me backed up into a corner. I'll get a little frisky. Yeah, the Finland is going to get frisky eventually. But the politicians dismissed Mannerheim's pleas in favor of nationalist arguments. In the meantime, the world began to change. The Nazis invaded and took over more territory, creeping closer and closer to the USSR. Stalin's paranoia was no longer focused at Western powers and their long tradition of anti-communism. Instead, it was directed directly at Hitler. The thing is, Hitler knew that too. And that was when Nazi Germany approached the USSR to offer them a deal. Due to the racial hatred that the Nazis had for the Slavs, everybody but Stalin himself understood this to be a temporary arrangement. But Stalin thought it might as well be an alliance. And that was the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, which was a secret um, that agreed. um, So it was a non-aggression agreement. That part was public. But the secret part was they got to split Eastern Europe into spheres of influence. It defined what those were with each side picking what they wanted and each of them splitting Poland in the middle, which they did literally during during invasion on 17 September that same year. Mm. Yeah, uh, there's also uh, some continued talks about Stalin possibly joining the Axis. Those, those didn't go very far. No. Because, and, and this is important, Hitler thought he wasn't a human. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slowly but surely, the Eastern nations that would make up the Warsaw Pact were absorbed in the Soviet Union. And it kind of followed a trend. First, their foreign ministers would be invited to Moscow for a high-level meeting. And then they'd be forced to agree to terms that were known as a mutual assistance treaty, which in reality stripped them of their independence and absorbed them into the Soviet Union. On October 5th, Finland was sent that same invitation. 
They made a huge they made huge sweeping demands from the Finns, demanding they hand over huge parts of their country, destroy their military defenses on the border, and allow Russian troops to be stationed within their country. The Finnish government was split. Many saw this for what it was, a slow creeping takeover. Others, which surprisingly included Gustav Mannerheim, said they should take the deal in order to postpone any armed conflict. Finland attempted to negotiate their way out of the situation. And wouldn't you know it, that only made Stalin more paranoid. I feel like Stalin just gets paranoid over it fucking What do you mean they didn't immediately say yes to giving me their entire country? Stalin was not used to being rejected by minor powers and thought it was suspicious that the Finns with their destitute military would have the balls to tell them to fuck off. Clearly, the only reason they could be doing this was if they had some kind of secret agreement with the Nazis. Those fit, those bastards. Which is weird because, like, Stalin, you had a secret agreement with the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Shh, 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 shh. Remember, Stalin was surrounded by bootlickers and sycophants. Everywhere he turned, he was being told by someone how easy it would be to just steamroll the Finns. And how good his mustache was. Sir, your mustache is second to none. Can I touch it? Andrei Zhenov, who is the political boss of Leningrad, was eager to tell Stalin just how unsettled the Finnish working class was. And if the Red Army stormed in, they'd be treated like heroes. What? Yeah, it sounds pretty dumb, right? Jesus. <laughs> I'd be cold. Another, the Helsinki embassy guy, was feeding Stalin full of bullshit about the rigors of everyday Finnish life, how people were starving. Um, how they wanted to be liberated by the champions of the proletariat and how the Finnish army was largely unarmed and not even wearing shoes. <laughs> they're it, not wearing shoes. They're it, just wearing skis. It was shit so like out there that even like someone who laps up sycophant bullshit like Stalin was like, this seems too good. But eh, nope. He believed it. Yeah, of I course he did. So. That was when the Soviet news agency TASS and their publications began pumping up propaganda that said much of the same thing. One paper said, quote, the Finnish army is made up of peasants and working class who have no desire to pour out their blood for the benefit of landowners and the bourgeoisie. Stalin read these papers, which, remember, had to follow what Stalin like, wanted. They were his papers. Yeah. And he immediately believed them. Like, this is some good writing. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they didn't pump out exactly what Stalin wanted, <laughs> yeah. they would just disappear in the middle of the night. But then in the final meeting between the two sides on November 9th, there was, there was no animosity whatsoever, um, despite what everybody assumed was Stalin's blood rage um, by his self-induced brainwashing. Uh, it became clear that the two sides were just not going to come to an agreement, uh, but they were all super pleasant with one another. In a calm but understanding manner, the Soviet foreign minister Vyacheslav Molotov hugged his Finnish counterpart and said with a smile, au revoir. He spoke French. And then Stalin, that was fucking random. <laughs> yeah, and Stalin uh, spoke, uh, shook hands with everybody who was there and wished them all the best and said he'd talk to him on Christmas. He fucking dirty Sanchez's own hand. It's like you the scene from Mallrats. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate pretzel? Yeah. <laughs> but then only a few weeks later, Helsinki would be on fire from Soviet bombs. And that is where we'll pick up next week. Ooh. Damn it. Stalin is a two-faced bitch. He is. He's also a dirty bastard. Yeah, bro, we're cool. Au revoir. <laughs> Why does his hand smell like shit? Hmm, <laughs> chocolate. Mmm, borscht. <laughs> hey, when people get sent somewhere, it's Serbia, right? Or is it the gulag? Is that in Serbia? Siberia. Siberia, there yeah. we go. Fuck, I was getting the eyes and knees. 
God damn Serbia it. is a different country. Yeah. Siberia is there still part of, uh, of Russia to this day. Yeah. Funny story about that. Siberia or Serbia? Siberia. Go on. So, random ass person me and my buddies met from Siberia of all places. So, at first we met her, yada yada. She's kind of cool. We were all at the bar and we were just like, so where are you from? Like, because we knew she fucking wasn't from here. She's like, oh, Siberia. And one of my buddies goes, watch out. Her fucking parents are probably fucking assholes. <laughs> her family probably did some bad shit. I mean, the unless they were native, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, a lot of the crimes they, they did were just like, they didn't have, they didn't grow a Stalin mustache or they had too much rice. They didn't do the like n- normal Stalin stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, Stalin was a huge piece of shit. <laughs> so I'm but glad we're covering him again. We've never covered Stalin before. We haven't? Not, we did. We've never gone. have sworn we've covered him before. We've, we've covered Stalinist times. Yeah. Like Pavlov's house. But we never really talked about Stalin. We're going to talk about Stalin a lot. Oh, in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Because this one's strictly Stalin. Cool. Yeah. This one has a lot to do with his, uh, his really bad grasp at international relations and military command. You don't need it. You know, you don't need it when you have like, <laughs> I don't need skills. I have a hundred million soldiers <laughs> yeah. to throw at you. And that's largely correct. Like uh, when you try to throw seeds at one of your buddies, like to try and get a few in his mouth, maybe. <laughs> I, do, I don't play that game. No, I never have. Were you on a baseball team ever? No. Makes sense. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Popcorn, maybe? Sure. Sure. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you. I generally don't throw things into people's mouths. All right, whatever. Uh, so that is part one of the Winter War. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I think what we do is worth a buck. You can throw it to us on Patreon. Um, we have a, a, a merchandise store on Teespring. Uh, Teespring backslash lines led by donkeys. Pretty cool shirts. Yeah. Uh, if you want to spread the word, share and review our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at lines underscore by. You can follow me. Jcas99. Follow Nick at Nick Cass M1. And we will see you next week.